All right, my friends, welcome back to Your Bible Book by Book. I am Pastor Luke, and this is First and Second Chronicles. And uh, I'm going to assume something here, which I probably shouldn't do, but um, I assume that a lot of people uh, skip First and Second Chronicles for two basic reasons. One, uh, one you when you start reading First Chronicles, you see um, that there are a lot of names. It, it uh, starts with nine chapters of genealogy, and uh, most people, or a lot of people, uh, have a hard time reading through the genealogy. There's uh, uh, just a difficulty in pronouncing the names, and there's not a whole lot of content there. Um, but there is a good reason for the uh, uh, the chronology of the genealogies, and I'll explain that in a minute. But uh, the other reason why probably a lot of people skip First and Second Chronicles is because it does seem somewhat repetitive. It uh, goes over the same history uh, time period that First, uh, Second Samuel, First, and Second Kings goes through. And so, if you've you're, you're reading through your Bible, uh, you might uh, have just read First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, and then come to First and Second Chronicles and say, "Well, I've just read that." And so, a lot of times, what I will do uh, when I am reading through uh, this section of the Bible is that. I'll read through First and Second uh, Kings, and then uh, I'll go read another part of the Bible, and then I'll come back to First and Second Chronicles uh, a little bit later at a different time. And then, um, you know, sometimes I read through all the first nine chapters of of the genealogy and just you know wade through it. Um, other times, I might kind of glimpse through it a little bit and then kind of skip to uh, chapter ten when the narrative starts to pick up. Um, so anyway, I don't have a, a recommendation for what you should do there, but um, there is a, a importance to First and Second Chronicles. There's a reason for the difference, and um, we'll get into some of those reasons here just shortly. But uh, before we do, I want to just let you know that uh, the book, First uh, Second Chronicles, it was originally intended to be one book. Um, just like First and Second Kings was one book, and First and Second Samuel was one book, um, so is true for First and Second Chronicles. And it was written likely uh, by Ezra. Um, and what we do know is that it was certainly written by uh, a Levitical priest who was a scribe. And Ezra certainly fits the bill for that. Um, and it's written, um, and it was originally titled. titled uh, the Things Omitted. It was written as um, a complementary book to uh, Samuel and Kings. Uh, that was its intent. So uh, as you read through First and Second Chronicles, a lot of the material might look similar um, and have a lot of the same content. It, it covers the same period of time, um, but it's meant to cover some of the things that First and Second Kings and Chronic or uh, Samuel and Kings did not cover. Um, in order to be a kind of a supplement to that. And so uh, what you see with First and Second Chronicles is that uh, the highlight is the Davidic covenant, the, the covenant that God made with King David, that he would have an ever, everlasting kingdom, that he would have an everlasting uh, heir to the throne. It was an eternal covenant. And so uh, there are some very interesting features uh, that we see when you understand it through that lens, uh, then you can kind of understand what 
really is happening when you're reading through these books. Uh, the first nine chapters, okay, covers the genealogy all the way from Adam, uh, all the way through the exile and the return back into Israel after the exile. The exile is the time period when the Babylonians uh, took the, the Israelites from Judea, from Jerusalem, into Babylon, kept them there for about 70 years, and then at the end of that 70-year period allowed some of them, many of them, uh, to return back to Jerusalem, back to Israel. And, and so that's the exile. And uh, this, you know, this volume, First Second Chronicles, covers uh, the, the whole, um, basically, history of, of the Israelites from Adam all the way through to the end of the exile and the return, uh, which is pretty unique in that sense. Um, so it does cover the the history there in the first nine chapters, the, the genealogy, um, but it does it in, in an interesting way because uh, by the second chapter, um, it starts to go into David's genealogy and, and his descendants. So for two chapters, it's going to detail uh, greatly uh, David's, um, his ancestors or his, uh, um, his, his genealogy, um, his, his, uh, his family line, um, and so his descendants. And then in chapter 4, it's going to go back and, and pick up the genealogy of the uh, patriarchs. So it kind of it highlights, it does that for a reason, even though it's out of order, it does that for a reason. It highlights the, the purpose, which is that David is the central figure of, of what this whole plan of redemption is all about, that uh, God is... Uh, making promises. He's made promises to Adam. He's made promises to Noah and to, to Abraham, to Moses. Uh, but David becomes that person uh, that uh, highlights what God is, is going to do f- in the future to combine the Messiah with uh, the temple. And so it's the person of, uh, of the, the Messiah, and it's also the, uh, the, the place of, of the residing Holy Spirit or the residing presence of God, which is the temple. And both of those things find their fulfillment in Jesus, that uh, he is not only the king who will reign forever, but he also is going to uh, determine where that temple is going to be forever, which is the human heart, that the, the place of the Holy Spirit to live uh, after Jesus is in the person who receives him by faith. So each and every person who comes to know Jesus by faith and be saved is the temple. So no longer do we need a physical uh, temple. Um, now we have a temple that it's still physical, but it's, it's, um, it's human. It's the human heart. Um, and it can never be destroyed. It can never be demolished or taken away so that people don't have a place uh, to, to focus, to point their uh, understanding of where God is. God is everywhere, um, and he is most um, manifestly present in his followers. And so that becomes the fulfillment of everything that First and Second Chronicles is, is really driving its point to. Uh, so some other features of First and Second Chronicles that are kind of important or, or uh, interesting to understand um, it, because it is the things omitted, um, it doesn't go into some of the detail that you see in 
Samuel and Kings. One of the big stories um, is the story of David and Bathsheba. And what some people interpret that to mean is that um, the uh, the scribe who wrote First and Second Chronicles was embarrassed by that event, and so they left it out. But the reality is that the scribe who wrote First and Second Chronicles um, knew that people were very familiar with that event because it had been clearly uh, uh, outlined in Second uh, Samuel. So there was no need to go into that event again. And so what is highlighted as David's great sin in First and Second Chronicles is the sin of the census that David takes. Um, and what you see here is that as a compliment in the sin of David and Bathsheba, the result, the ultimate end result of that is the blessing of Solomon, that God restores his favor. He adds to the strength of Israel by um, favoring Solomon, says Solomon is the one that he loves. Uh, he, he cares especially for him. Um, and then the result of the census that is taken, even though um, that's not as well known as a story, uh, the issue here is that David goes and he wants to count his military, uh, but he doesn't pay the price for redemption, which he is obligated to do. And so the result is that God sends a, a plague uh, onto the people of Israel, and 70,000 people die of this plague. And the plague ends uh, finally at the place where the temple is going to be built. And so the end result of this other great sin of David is the blessing of uh, the temple that finally, after many years, uh, God has revealed where the temple is going to be built. And there will be a physical temple finally built for all the people uh, to see. And so Chronicles spends a lot of time talking about the temple, um, outlining and detailing the blessing that God is is putting on that temple in the reality that um, if no matter where you are in the world, if you pray towards that temple, then God will hear you. It's kind of the enduring symbol that uh, God is with his people no matter where they are. And the temple kind of becomes that uh, permanent place for them to put their their uh, sense of hope. Um, even though First and Second Chronicles is written uh, after what we know that the temple is destroyed. The temple is destroyed in 586 um, BC. And so uh, we know the temple was already destroyed by the time the writer of Chronicles outlines all this stuff. So the, the, it's obvious that he's not saying that the physical temple has to be there in order for the people uh, to have trust or faith in God. Um, because Solomon's temple, which was glorious, is destroyed. It is rebuilt by uh, the exiles who return um, and is far less grand um, in that state. Um, but uh, the fact that God allows that temple to be destroyed um, and uh, he allows his people to be exiled uh, does not um, dismiss the idea that God is still faithful to his promise to David, that he will certainly fulfill all that he has uh, promised to David. And so... Um, the history, um, really, it, it all, here's another thing that you have to understand about First and Second Chronicles that is very different than Samuel and Kings, which is that it only deals with Judah. It does not deal at all with Israel, the northern kingdom. Uh, so it's in some ways, it's much easier to read because it's, it's very linear in that sense. It, it tells about the kings of Judah, of Jerusalem, 
Um, and it doesn't um, bother with the going back and forth between Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom, and telling how those kings interacted. It just deals with uh, the kings of Judah. Um, and in doing that, um, it's making a very clear point that, that God's focus um, on his promise is really intended uh, to be realized through uh, the lineage of David. David is the point, and his line is the point, and what God's going to accomplish through his line is uh, the, the real issue here. And so um, as it explains that, one of the things that happens is that, um, as I mentioned, the great sin of David was the census. It actually says that it was Satan who instigated that sin. And um, Satan, if you may not realize this as a Christian, um, because he is so um, well-developed as, uh, as a character um, in the New Testament, that he's not mentioned that many times in the Old Testament. Um, he's mentioned uh, a few times, but one of the few times that he is mentioned is right there um, in Chronicles when it talks about what David did um, when he took that census. And the, the idea behind that, it seems, is that uh, Satan's plan, you know, from creation um, when he tempted uh, Adam and Eve to sin all the way through uh, when he tempted David to sin and all the way through into his uh, temptation of Jesus in the wilderness and in his battle against Christians even now, um, his plan is to thwart or to stop or to uh, somehow um, uh, stand against and destroy God's plan. And what Chronicles outlines is that he cannot do that. Um, he can he can throw a wrench into things. He can instigate some sin. He can... Uh, cause problems. Um, he can try as hard as he wants, uh, but ultimately God will prevail. And so uh, at the end of Second Chronicles, what you see in chapter 36 is that uh, all the history of the kings kind of comes down to uh, two paragraphs, the very last two paragraphs of Second Chronicles. The, the second to last paragraph, uh, starting in verse 17, um, says, uh, very briefly, without hardly any detail, um, how uh, Jerusalem is destroyed and the temple is destroyed and, and Babylon takes you know uh, the, the people uh, captive into exile. And then the very next paragraph skips over um, all the, the details of, of the exile, uh, 70 years of history, and goes right to King Cyrus, um, who comes much later in the exile and who actually restores Israel back to Israel, okay? So it restores the people back to Jerusalem, basically, that uh, he's going to um, decree that it is now legal uh, for God's people to return to Jerusalem, build their temple, build their walls, and, and do all those things. And so uh, the, the, even though it doesn't spend any real time uh, detailing that, um, the, you can see the focus is that God is restoring hope uh, to his people and uh, that they can trust that he will certainly fulfill his promises. And those promises are found um, in, in the, uh, the lineage of David, which points uh, far beyond, okay, another 400 years past that, to the Messiah, that Jesus is coming and uh, he is going to be the one 
who is going to consolidate both the monarchy and the priesthood into one person for all time. And so uh, Chronicles is uh, um, can be difficult in, in some ways as you're reading through. It does have a little bit more technical type of language. There are a lot of genealogies that you have to wade through, um, but uh, it is uh, fantastically uh, important and interesting um, book of the Bible, two books of the Bible, uh, that I hope that you will now understand a little bit better and uh, definitely read here soon. So thanks for joining us. This is Your Bible, book by book, and that is First and Second Chronicles. <music>